Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! Mountain right! Welcome to the show! Let's play two here. Welcome back to the call-up, your go-to podcast on the future stars in Major League Baseball. This is the second episode today. I wanted to break up the 2021 draft, kind of look back and checking in on all of these players into two episodes so I can give all of these prospects justice. So here's the second episode today. Really excited to continue to dive into some of my favorite prospects in all of baseball, our later draft picks in this class. So excited to discuss that. Of course, this podcast is part of the Just Baseball Network, and I am excited to continue to break down each of these guys in the 2021 draft that have really stood out or just checking in on some of the more high-profile names. Of course, going through the first 17 picks is where we made it. We stopped at Michael McGreevy of the St. Louis Cardinals, the 18th pick in that part one. So if for whatever reason you saw this part two and missed part one, check out part one first, and then we're going to kind of pick up in the latter half of the round here and then the notable picks uh, through the rest of the 2021 draft. It's early, so a lot of the deep, deep dive guys you know, may not have fully emerged yet, but there's still a lot of relevant second round, third round picks that uh, have already asserted themselves as very solid prospects in today's game and, and some even top 100 guys or close to it. So very much looking forward to breaking down the rest of this draft. And again, I do think that this class, it's early, but has a chance to be one of the best draft classes We've seen in some time, uh, so I'll kind of make my case for that as we go through, especially the picks outside of the first round, but it did take some more time in part one because uh, there was more of the, you know, high profile draft picks in the top 10 that I wanted to discuss kind of where they are uh, that may not be making major waves positively, but you know, whether, you know, how much we want to assess the concern there, I guess. But now in this part two, since it's mostly going to be later first round guys and then second, third, fourth round guys, it's going to be more on the positive side because it's the guys that have stood out in maybe later day one and, and into day two and three of this draft potentially. Probably no day three guys actually, but still, uh, you know what I mean there. So we'll pick up right at pick number 18, which was Michael McGreevy. And McGreevy, you know, could have started a bit better. I had some concerns about just the quality of stuff. But I think McGreevy has continued to settle in this year uh, as the season's gone on. And, and the numbers may not be the prettiest. And the, I would still say that my concerns in regards to the stuff are, are there. But he has hedged that quite a bit with just really impressive pitch ability. And I think that the fact that he is able to you know, command the strike zone the way he does and you know mix up his four offerings, mostly leans on three, but mixes in a curveball just enough for it to be mentioned. Uh, the way he's able to mix up those pitches, it really hit his spots and 
uh, just keep hitters off balance is enough to believe that this guy can be a solid you know, number four, number five type of starter. Uh, I, I do think it was a bit early to take somebody like this given his limited upside, but when you look at where the Cardinals were, especially before this year, uh, where we didn't really see the emergence of Tink Hens, uh, 2020 draftee that you know is now one of the more exciting young pitching prospects in baseball, we didn't see some of the uh, other guys that are, are very impressive in this system. Gordon Graceffo, another one who I'll get to because he's also part of this draft class, at this point, we hadn't seen some of those more emergent arms. Libertor you know, looked a little bit shaky. He still continues to look shaky. So I think the Cardinals really wanted to play it safe with their first-round pick here and get a guy that should climb through the minors quickly and also has a very high chance of being a big league starter. And I think he has shown that. I really hope that we see this stuff tick up a little bit, but you look at the numbers in high A, he was just able to dominate with his polish there, mixing up, hitting his spots, pitched to a 2-5 ADRA in eight starts there, 41 innings, walked less than a batter per nine. I mean, he walked four batters in 45 and a third's inning, struck out 41. Gets the bump up to double, and of course, hitters are going to be better there. So the strikeout rate takes a hit. Walk rate jumps a little bit, not because of command issues. I think it was more of of nibbling issues. McGreevy doesn't quite have a, a plus pitch or a pitch that I really would trust as a plus offering if there's any offering that maybe has the best chance to be plus it's the slider which is above average and with the way he commands it it definitely plays up to comfortably above average uh, but with McGreevy it, you're lacking that plus offering the fastball isn't great and it's a lot relying on pitchability and being able to get ground balls which he does with that heavy fastball in the low 90s so I think McGreevy has a good chance to be that low fours ERA back into the rotation, get a lot of ground balls, you know, Cal Quantrill-esque type of starter. Uh, but, you know, that's not something you're extremely excited about, but I wouldn't say it's a bad pick at 17, given that, you know, there's so much risk in the first round in baseball in general. Uh, you're always going to have the odds stacked against you to get a big leaguer and a solid big leaguer, especially in the middle part of the first round. So don't hate the pick at all. I, I think he's helped his case if anything through his first professional season um, or at least has been somewhere around you know what we thought he would be there's more room for uh, to fill out at 6'4 215 pounds so and maybe he could see a bit of an uptick in velocity that would help uh, that would probably help the slider as well uh, but the development of the changeup is key here uh, the curveball is more of that just mix in steel strikes pitch so I want to see that changeup develop differentiate from the sinker a little bit I think the two pitches kind of are a little bit too close in velocity and also in movement profile, which kind of hurts him. You have two pitches running arm side, and then the slider is the only pitch that really offers you know a different action, and it's not a lot of separation between the changeup and, and sinker, which I don't think separation is a must anymore, but if you're a pitchability guy, uh, you, you, you probably want to have that separation. If you're Sandy Alcantara or Edward Cabrera, you probably don't need that separation as much. But McGreevy's still looking solid. Very interested to see how he builds on this year. And uh, if, if the stuff can tick up a little bit, maybe there's number three upside or more confidence in the number four upside. But right now, I, I think he looks like a high-end five, you know, average four, uh, which is, is not the end of the world for a Cardinals system that is really good and a Cardinals team that absolutely crushed the draft in 2020 and hit well uh, on their other picks here because Gordon Graceffa, who I'll talk about, is probably uh, the better pitcher here and they got him later in this draft class. So we'll move on to the next pick, which is Gunnar Hogland. And 
Gunnar Hogland, I talk about how, you know, change up fastball separation is, is not as important anymore as it once was. I would say Tommy John surgery is not as much of a deterrent anymore as it once was because Gunnar Hogland was pretty much fresh off of Tommy John or, or slated to eventually get Tommy John surgery around the time he was drafted and probably would have been a top 10 pick or one of the first pitchers off the board in the draft, but falls to 19, which is much less than we usually see guys fall uh, after Tommy John surgery in the past. So it's a testament to the fact that teams are not deterred by that. But, you know, if he had the full year to really be able to to shove to the best of his capabilities at Mississippi, uh, we probably would have seen him you know, fly up even more. Ends up getting dr- traded later uh, by the Blue Jays for Matt Chapman, uh, which I'm sure the Blue Jays were not ecstatic to trade Hogland, who's probably their best right-handed pitching prospect in their system, but he's obviously very far away, uh, just finally made his pro debut this year, where we saw him make a couple outings before getting shut down again with a biceps issue, unfortunately. But I'm still really high on this kid if he can stay healthy, 22 years old, big at 6'3", 210 pounds, put up great numbers at Mississippi before he went down, Uh, really good stuff overall, and uh, has the upside of a number two, number three type of starter, especially with the slider and changeup that he has fastball in the low to mid 90s it's a great three pitch mix I think the slider could be really darn good for him and the feel for the changeup honestly was was ahead of of where you know most would think it would be I mean at times he would lose it but for the most part it was a usable pitch for him in college and I've had a lot of confidence in his ability to you know translate that into professional baseball and start to develop that better and better feel and more confidence in the pitch unfortunately we didn't get a chance to see that because after just eight innings, Hoglin ends up going down with that biceps issue on August 6th. Uh, he looked really good in his two little, I guess, spurts in the complex where he threw five innings, only surrendered four hits, no earned runs, and struck out seven. And then in that first start in low A with Oakland, uh, looked solid there too, went three innings, only surrendered one run. It wasn't earned, walked one, and struck out one. Uh, but the velo was a bit down, and I think there was a, a bit of a red flag with the biceps discomfort there. So, unfortunately, we see Hoglin shut down. That stinks. Hopefully, he'll be ready to go full-fledged next year. It's not like Oakland's in any rush because the uh, team's not great. Organization's not great. Uh, but Hoglin has a chance to you know, quickly rise through this system if he's healthy and be a really nice get for them. I thought that was a great snag in the trade to go on the upside angle here for Oakland, who didn't seem to do that with a lot of their other trades went with more of the upper minor level or upper minor league guys that it probably were a bit limited ceiling wise like Kevin Smith also in that deal but uh, a lot of other guys that they went out and gotten trades that maybe are closer to big league ready but lack some of the ceiling to dream on I think Hogland is an exception to that the 20th pick was another AL East team in the New York Yankees who went out and got Trey Sweeney out of Eastern Illinois University I mean Trey Sweeney crushed through mid-major baseball, crushed it every summer stop, did not play on the Cape, which if he played on the Cape and hit the way he hit at every other stop, probably would have been a surefire top 10 pick, maybe better than that. We didn't see him on the Cape, but he crushed in the Coastal Plains League, crushed basically everywhere he went, and that was enough for the Yankees to take him. I mean, he's a left-handed hitting shortstop, may move to third, but a left-handed hitting shortstop with projection that is somewhat reminiscent of, of Corey Seager, lefty, 6'4", 200. Uh, I think there's more room to fill out, but also you you think he's going to move off of short, but then every time you watch him, you're like, ah, he moves just well enough. And 
I was expecting, you know, speed not really to be part of his game. And I know it was just high A, but so far this season, before getting the bump up to double in 100 games in high A, he swiped 29 bags and 31 tries. I know it's just high A. Uh, it's not usually going to translate to that level uh, in double A or at the upper levels, but did swipe a bag in his first seven games in double A. It was a bit of a slower start to the year for Trey Sweeney, and then he really kicked in gear. Um, I still think he projects more so as the third baseman, and then he can kind of lean into more of adding that weight and physicality and and just being more of a power bat because he does hit the ball pretty hard, especially to his pole side where there's above average, maybe even plus power in the tank down the line. I don't know if it's if it's there yet, but you can definitely see a projection for plus raw power, above average pull side without a doubt about it. He has good bat to ball skills. He has ironed out some inconsistencies with his with his movements and his swing. He had a loud hands, a loud load, a bit of a leg kick. He's ironed all that out. If there's one organization that does a good job or as good of a job as anybody with that, with quieting down hitters that you know maybe had too much going on without having it come at an expense of their power, it's the Yankees. They continue to flex their muscles when it comes to hitting development. I think they're going to continue to do a good job with Trey Sweeney. Zone contact is strong, right? He does not whiff a ton in the zone, does not chase. The, the, the patience at the plate has been very, very impressive. He has continued to get better with his approach as the season went on. Walked between the two levels at a 12.4% clip, struck out only 23% of the time. But I actually expect that to continue to dwindle. And if you kind of pull from more of the latter parts of the season. You pull from his final 50 games of the year. You really saw that strikeout rate start to continue to dwindle. Walk rate jumped to 16% over his last 50 games. Strikeout rate dropped to 19%. Sweeney's a well-rounded lefty bat who, even if he moves off of short, I think has more than enough uh, power potential to hold down a third base spot. He's very solid against lefties too. You don't see as much power left on left. He's more focused on just spraying the ball and putting bat on ball, but I thought he was really impressive this season and looked much better left on left. A 7.53 OPS kept the strikeout rate down uh, against Southpaws and was able to leave the yard a couple times as well. Still hit the ball with authority, but you could tell it was more of a focus of staying under control and just putting the bat on the ball. But his steady splits, good approach, uh, more game speed, even though he looks like more of an average runner, but you know just savviness on the bases and still sneaky quickness. All of that with what I think is a pretty solid glove at third base, a passable glove at short. You put all that together and you have a really well-rounded baseball player here. And I know a lot of teams look at Trace Winnie as a long-term third baseman, but the Yankees have not been willing to, to say that yet, really. And they've only played him at shortstop. And again, I do think he can get by uh, if it all works out and he continues to improve defensively and, and continues to maintain that a sneaky agility there. He could get by as at least a you know, Corey Seager level of passable defender. And I think that comp is, he's not going to ever be that kind of hitter quite, but I think that comp in terms of you know, what kind of game you're going to get uh, is is similar, right? You're going to get a lot of doubles. You'll, you'll be surprised at the end of the year. You're like, oh, he hit 20 plus home runs. Okay, that's nice. Uh, good bat to ball, patient approach, and you know, not a liability in the field and fast enough to add some value on the base paths with the savviness as well. So I like Trey Sweeney here at this pick. I thought that was a great selection. He's continued to get better as the year's gone on, and that's a nice snag there at 20 by the Yankees, and he should start next year in double A uh, and you know probably quickly climb to triple if he continues to show what he showed this year. Next pick was Jordan Wicks, and I think the Cubs must have been ecstatic for Jordan Wicks to fall to them at 21. And when we wrote up the Cubs system at the beginning of the year, I had Wicks ahead of DJ Hers, and 
I wouldn't say Cubs fans were, you know, pushing back on me for that or, or anything like that, but I did feel like most fans saw that as a different perspective. And there is no more, or at least very few, I, I would say probably no more educated fan base on their prospects in the minor leagues than the Chicago Cubs. And I love interacting with Cubs fans and uh, talking to them about their farm system and everything. And so it, it really did almost have me take a step back and like, maybe I'm a little bit too high on Wicks or maybe I'm a little bit too low on hers. And so I made it a point to just watch more Wicks as the year went on and just continue to look back on the starts I missed and see how things were going because it was almost this just fascination, uh, which, which lefty is going to separate themselves in this system. And I think DJ hers, I can see what people like about him. I mean, he is nasty. And I would say if it all clicks for hers, his upside is, is most likely higher than somebody like Wicks. But unfortunately, and I don't think any Cubs fan could have imagined this, is you know, there, everybody was aware of, of the command concerns around DJ Hers. Unfortunately, they just went fully, full-fledged to the wayside. The command really just fell apart for Hers, And I'd almost say it borderlined on the Yips territory when he got up to double-A, where he walked 29 batters in 27 and two-thirds innings. So that's kind of a separate point. I don't think anybody... Could have I wouldn't have ever thought that that hers would have hit this kind of wall, especially when he had a two two six ERA through seventeen starts in high A. Sure, the command was a little bit questionable there, but uh, not nearly to the degree it is, you know, in in double A or it was in double A. Uh, but focusing more on Wicks, he actually exceeded my expectations in, in a lot of ways because I thought he'd be a good pitchability mix up, you know, his offerings. He can come at you with a lot of different pitches, and that's what makes him so tough. He's got a four-seamer, he's got a change-up, he's got a sinker, he's got a slider, and he's got a curve, and he throws all of those pitches at least 10% of the time. The breakdown is a fastball 37% of the time, a change-up 24% of the time, a sinker 14 slider at 13%, and a curve that he mixes in at about 11%. Uh, as a left-handed pitcher, Kansas State, I thought he'd go earlier because of the polish and what some of the other teams were looking for, right? Like, I'm surprised that the Angels and the Cardinals didn't go with a Jordan Wicks. I mean, maybe because they felt like they had Libertor and, uh, of course, Reed Detmers, but I don't think you really base your drafting off of that. So that was surprising to me. Cubs have to be pumped to get him here. And I think Wicks has not only separated himself as the best left-hander in the system, but also as a really exciting left-hander and left-handed pitching prospect. And just all of baseball, one of the more intriguing High floor, I think, will factor into the equation maybe next year for the Cubs. And, you know, while I don't think he's ever going to be a number two type of starter, there's maybe number three upside to dream on, more likely to be a high-end number four. But the strikeout numbers have been fantastic for Wicks this year. Striking out 30% of batters between high A and double A is just about all you can ask for. The changeup is a 70-grade pitch. And the fastball is ticked up. He's sitting 93 miles an hour uh, with it, and you know he locates it well. He also mixes in that sinker, which is a great you know weak contact-inducing pitch. The most encouraging thing about Wicks is the velo has actually gone up as the year has gone on. More in the mid-92 range, averaging on the fastball through the first half of the season, closer to 93.3 miles per hour in the second half of the season. Commands it well, also with that Bugs Bunny diving changeup that just darts straight down off of that pitch. Really solid sinker, works off of that well. The slider, I think, is a really underrated offering from Jordan Wicks. And you look at the grades, it never really got more than an average or slightly above average grade across the industry. I think it's closer to an above average pitch now. He just doesn't use it a ton at 13%, but the chase rates on it are high. I mean, lefties really struggled with that pitch 
uh, and, and even righties. It was an effective pitch against them as well. He uses it more against lefties, using it about 27% of the time left on left, whereas he just mixes it in about 6 to 8% of the time against righties. But lefties, just a 447 OPS against the slider. He goes more fastball slider against them, mixing in the sinker and stealing some strikes with the curve. And, you know, every once in a while, he'll go left on left with the change. He'll still show, you know, lefties his whole arsenal. But against righties, you know, you see him still comfortable burying that slider, almost more like a cutter in on the hands of righties, uh, but is obviously more comfortable going to his changeup against opposite hand hitters uh, because that's the pitch that's always going to eat them alive. And it has righties hitting just 148 with a 426 OPS against his changeup this year. I'd be very shocked if Wicks is not a very solid big league starter for a long time. I think he could be up by next year and be a factor a couple months into the season for the Cubs. I don't even think it would be crazy for him to break camp. He probably won't because he's only pitched at the double-A level at this point. Uh, But I do think he is polished enough to make that jump. No reason to rush him. And I think we'll see him make some starts in triple-A next year. And then if, if the Cubs feel like they want to add to their rotation in the early going, he is somebody that can absolutely factor in there. Great pick for the Cubs at 21. Another fantastic pick was a team not too far away over on the south side of Chicago, snagging Colson Montgomery at 22. And this is something that Jack McMullen and I talked about a little bit with just the weird idea that the White Sox had with their system that they wanted to have like all of their top prospects in one spot. And I mean, they called it Project Birmingham or whatever, and that's where Oscar Colas was and uh, all their other notable prospects that they wanted to have over there in in Birmingham, I guess. So uh, even after Colson Montgomery was tearing apart high A pitching as a high school bat uh, that just kind of jumped right into it. I mean, well, first he tore up low A pitching, gets the bump up to high A, was even better there. And then we see him get rushed to double where he fell a bit flat. I mean, he only played 12 games there. So, I mean, it's not the end of the world. I just been bringing that up because there's no reason to draw anything from uh, his double A numbers, he 20 years old, just absolutely rushed there in his first professional season. I want to focus more on the numbers elsewhere, where in low A in 45 games, he hit 324, 424, 476 while playing a pretty decent shortstop. I think he projects most likely as a second baseman. I don't love his arm action. Uh, I think his hands are a little bit shaky at times, but he's an above average runner, at least an average runner that, you know, moves well enough to play a good second base and uh, would be a very, one of the better bats at the position if he continues to trend the way I think he can trend. In high A, the production took a bit of a dip for Montgomery, but it was impressive that he was able to just continue to hit. Walked exactly as many times as he struck out in 37 games, 164 plate appearances, 26 strikeouts, 26 walks. I mean, that's really impressive. 258, 387, 417 slash line. Really looked comfortable and just a great bat that I love his left-handed stroke. I think there's 15 to 20 home run power in there, but there's also a lot more room to fill out as a 6'4", 200-pound kid. So there's 20 to 25 home run power in there without a doubt or even more than that if he fills out even more. But I think the the bat-to-ball spray all over the field and tap into Above average power seems to fit his profile more, and I think that's what we could see. But Montgomery is a really advanced high school bat that will presumably repeat at double A, where he should have been playing next year. Uh, and I think he'll get comfortable there and get acclimated and be just fine. That was a crazy jump from you know low A all the way to double in his first professional season as a high school guy. Montgomery, great pick at 22. 
another one of my favorite picks, we're hitting the sweet spot here, is Gavin Williams. And if you remember in the draft, I thought Gavin Williams would be one of the best arms, if not had a chance to be the best arm drafted in this first round here. And I I don't know why he was so slept on. And I know it's all relative because how slept on is a 23rd overall pick. But I, I really thought that he had more in there than people were giving him credit for. The fastball is absolutely electric. He's 6'6", 225 pounds. And at East Carolina, I mean, he was one of the more fascinating pitchers to watch. Really boosted his stock as the year went on. And I, I can kind of answer my own question here as to why he didn't have as much hype. We're talking about a pitcher here that at East Carolina was more of a bullpen guy until he really burst onto the scene uh, in that 2021 season. But by the second half of the season, he was one of the best pitchers in college baseball and was going toe-to-toe with Kumar Rocker and on the big stage and just looked magnificent against some of college baseball's best lineups. We've seen the fastball get up to you know 99, 100 miles an hour, averages 96 miles an hour. No one hits his fastball. I mean, he goes to it 63% of the time, and he's already in double A with the Guardians, and it doesn't matter. He can dominate guys. He's the type of pitcher with the extension he gets, with the just explosion out of his hand on that 70-grade fastball, maybe one of the closest to 80-grade fastballs out there. That's a guy that can lean on a bit bit more. I'd like to see him have more comfort with the secondary stuff because it seems like hitters right now are just gearing up for the fastball and daring them to beat him, or daring him to beat them, excuse me, with his secondary stuff. But the thing is, is his command of the slider has been really good. I mean, he is in the zone with that pitch, feels really good. Uh, it seems like he feels good out of his hand. He locates it well east-west for how nasty it is at 85 miles an hour. The curveball is a pitch and the changeup. One of those two I want to see kind of separate themselves and have him have a little bit more confidence in those pitches. Only throws those for a strike around you know 50% of the time, which is below his 70% strike rate on the fastball and even 60% strike rate on the slider. All of his offerings, though, high, high, high whiff rates. And that's why I think he has a really good chance to be a high-volume strikeout number three with an outside shot at being a frontline starter with the kind of just physicality he has, and the improvements we've seen with his command. This was somebody that was extremely wild through the beginning of his collegiate career, uh, but so far through his first professional season, going straight from high A to double A, he's only walked 9% of batters, struck out 33% of batters, and has put up some ridiculous outings so far this season where he has struck out double digits in three different outings, has struck out more than seven batters, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times out of his 25 starts. So he can get the strikeouts in bunches, but he's not, uh, he doesn't have problems getting weak contact and pitching to contact when he needs to. He's in the right organization uh, in Cleveland here where, I mean, they continue to just develop pitchers uh, like none other. And they generally go with the command over stuff guys and then help the stuff tick up. Williams is a stuff over command guy showing good trends with command. And it seems like he is continuing to improve in, in that department and already seems to have at least close to average or better command uh, through his first professional season. Watch out for Gavin Williams. He is a nasty, nasty arm with all the upside to dream on and in the perfect organization to tap into that upside. Next pick was a big right-hander. We we always see the Atlanta Braves. They like their Wake Forest guys. They like their data darling right-handers. And Ryan Cusick was the pick at 24, and, and Cusick ended up getting traded in, in the Matt Olson deal um, and, and was sent over to Oakland. I, I don't love 
the pick. I didn't love the pick. I don't love it now. I didn't love it then. Uh, I think there's a lot of reliever risk here for Ryan Q6, 6'6", 225 pounds. Fastball that sits in the upper 90s, can touch triple digits in a nasty slider, but command is not great. Wasn't great in college. Hasn't been great so far uh, in pro ball. They sent him straight to double A. He, he got shelled there. Really struggled with walks. Walked 28 and 37 innings. There's a lot to dream on with this 22-year-old who you know has all of the goods to be a nasty starter, uh, but I, I just don't think he has the most important thing, which is command and ability to repeat his mechanics, and uh, especially just he has not shown much willingness to to throw that change up because when he does, it, it's non-competitive. Uh, the slider, it's nasty, but he struggles to throw it for a strike. Hitters are geared up for the fastball. It's a good one, but you know it's not like on the Gavin Williams level. I mean, Cusick looks more like a reliever. Another one of those where I really do wonder what Oakland was, was looking for in a lot of these trades. Cusick, probably a big league reliever uh, because of, you know, his physicality and, and just the quality of stuff. But when I'm trading Matt Olson, a Hank Aaron award finalist, uh, I would expect a bit more uh, than Pache and, and Cusick, but uh, Oakland is, is going to Oakland uh, and we're going to give them more patience because of that Brad Pitt movie. But I really don't like what they did in, in a lot of these trades here. Uh, Max Muncy, though, was a good pick, and I will give them credit where credit's due, and that's who was their the next selection here at 25. Max Muncy has looked really good, and he's somebody that you know we have seen a, a bit of a concern with the swing and miss, uh, but I, I think he's continued to hedge that as the season has gone on. There's still concern with the swing and miss, a 30.5% strikeout rate, this season, but that strikeout rate has you know pretty much remained consistently at 30%, and the walk rate has remained pretty solid at 12%. Muncie has just continued to mature as as the years gone on. Uh, you, you saw really good power numbers in low A. You saw a really slow start in high A, but then started to settle in after you know making that jump. The defense continued to get better as the year went on at shortstop. We also saw increased patience. The chase rates were not bad at all. And also more of a willingness to run on the base paths. In low A, he was 6 for 11 on stolen base attempts. Then in high A, 13 for 14 on stolen base attempts. He's just getting more comfortable in all aspects of the game. 19 home runs this year uh, between the two levels in 123 games. More than solid. The 19 stolen bases, plenty of doubles, a few triples. There's a ton of upside here to dream on with Muncie with the potentially plus raw power, probably closer to 55 grade raw power, but there's still some room to add muscle. And we've seen him, you know, post some pretty impressive exit velos at points this season, including an absolute nuke that he hit 108 off the bat that went 455 feet. He's popped a 110 this season, uh, which I think is also extremely impressive. It was a line drive. Uh, straight into left field so it wasn't one of those hard hit beat balls into the ground so I think there's a good chance that he can tap into a plus raw power if he fills out a little bit more but I'm also interested to see how he can continue to develop as just a well-rounded hitter and continue to cut down on that whiff in the zone but the chase rate's pretty respectable and a hitter that just continued to get better as the year went on another guy as I really love the second half of this draft I've talked about him a lot so I'm not going to spend too too much time but Chase Petty Chase Petty now with the Cincinnati Reds at the time was drafted by the Minnesota Twins. And this is one that, you know, I've, I've gotten out in front of and said, man, I, he is nothing like I thought he was going to be. I thought high reliever risk, fastball, wouldn't know where it's going in a hammer breaking ball. But, you know, who knows? High effort, high injury concern and and most likely going to struggle with command. 
Not that at all. Um, and I'm, I'm eating my words on that one. And I definitely want to let everybody know how good Chase Petty has looked this year. I know I've already done that plenty, so I'm not going to dive too much into the specifics here. But this kid turned 19 five months ago. And so far, just across low A and high A this season, I guess not so far, the season's over at those levels. But between those two levels, I mean, he was just fantastic. You look at the ERA, 3-4-8, I think slightly inflated. But struck out 96 and 98 in the thirds innings, 31 walks. I know none of that sounds absolutely fantastic, but he just got better and better as the year went on. More swing and miss as the year went on. But what impressed me the most is that instead of being that high effort upper 90s fastball that you know you didn't know where it was going, more of a spray, he's using a 94 to 95 mile an hour sinker, heavy, bottom of the zone, gets a ton of ground balls, 55% ground ball rate this year, but still has that nasty breaking ball that got a ton of whiff this season. I mean, opponents hit just or just had an OPS of 473 while striking out 46% of the time against this breaking ball. And what was also absurd was how advanced the feel for the changeup was. He threw the changeup 20% of the time this year, uh, which no one saw him throw his changeup in high school because he didn't need to. He was touching 100 in high school um, and had a hammer breaking ball. The feel for the changeup has been more than there. He's been throwing it for a strike. Opponents didn't hit that well against it. It's still more of an average to above average pitch, but man, he he actually commanded it well. And then he also has a four-seamer that he mixes in. So it's sinker, four-seamer, breaking ball, change-up. And man, I, I love the way the arsenal works off itself. I love his command. And we walked 7.7% of batters this year. I think the strikeouts will continue to tick up as he continues to mature as a pitcher. He's 19 years old and is way ahead of his years. Huge fan of what we saw from Chase Petty. And I bet, you know, I know the Twins are in win-now mode, but I'm sure they regret maybe parting with him so early here. Again, now at 27, another one that I was not high on, another player that I was just not super excited about when the draft went down, but the Padres hit well on Jackson Merrill. And Jackson Merrill, shortstop prospect, pop-up guy whose stock really, really rose leading into the draft, shortstop out of Maryland. Not really a hub for, for draftees, so I think that was part of the reason why maybe he was underscouted. But, you know, I, I did like the bat-to-ball from Merrill, a left-handed hitting shortstop with some physical projection. He did add some strength, and I think the added impact to a degree, even in high school, was enough for you know, scouts to start to put a first-round grade on him. But I think a lot of teams still saw him more of a second-round type of pick. Padres get him in the first, and I mean, this was a great selection. And, I, and if I'm not mistaken, I think they got him either for right at or below slot value as well. But man, has Merrill been dynamite this season in low A. Uh, he started with 10 games at the complex, battled injury, uh, so we got a, a bit of a shortened season from Merrill, but when he was healthy, man, he was awesome and finished really strong to the season. 45 games in low A, he produced a 325, 387, 482 slash line with five homers, eight stolen bases, only striking out 19% of the time, walking 9% of the time, and what's most impressive for me is that he flashed some intriguing power, including a home run that went 433 feet and 108 off the bat. Uh, but we also saw the power to all fields showed some oppo home run ability, also showed the ability to hit some hard line drives at 110 miles an hour, which I did not think he had in him at this point. And there's still, again, more room to fill out at 6'3", about 175 pounds. There is a lot more potential for impact there for Merrill. And the thing is, is, if he taps into above average power consistently, 
I mean, now we're talking about a really, really intriguing prospect because Merrill's contact rates, though it's not the biggest sample size, his contact rates through those 45 games were as good as anybody's in the entire system and, and up there with anybody in the minor leagues. But we talk about the bat to ball here and, and limiting in zone whiff. He was as good as anybody. 90% zone contact for Merrill straight into low A as a high schooler after you know, battling the injury. Young 19-year-old still uh, and flashing more power than I thought he had in the tank. And there's a lot to like there. Ground ball rate still way too high at 60%. Uh, but I think that's something that will continue to get better as he consistently gets at bats and you know irons out some of the inconsistencies with his upper and lower body. But overall, I mean, man, this is a very intriguing prospect to uh, – could not have had a much better start to his career. Nice snack for them there. And then it was back-to-back high school guys. Carson Williams was another one who is definitely tooled out. And that was a guy that I loved to pick by the Tampa Bay Rays here. And, man, he he has even exceeded what I, what I thought he could do this year. There's swing and miss, no doubt about it. And I was really excited to go see him in Charleston uh, when I was in town to go catch a game. And, unfortunately, of course, the, the game I go to, he's out of the lineup. But... Man, just looking at what he has done this year in his first professional season, there is so much to dream on with Carson Williams. And he showed us a little of everything in his first professional season. We saw 19 home runs in 113 games as a young 19-year-old in low A. Uh, we saw solid defense at shortstop. And, I mean, he was 18 for most of the year, so I should I should mention that. One of the younger high school guys in the draft. Uh the defense looked good, swiped 28 bags, could have been a bit more efficient. It was on 38 tries, but still learning in that regard. Sure, 32% K rate is a little bit high, uh, but for what he showed and the tools that he has to offer, uh, I'm just fine with being patient in regards to that K rate. Big time power potential. I think you could see 25 to 30 home runs with all of the tools that you want to see kind of complementing that. Uh, he showed us 110 mile an hour exit velos on home runs this year. Uh, he's really been able to use the whole field pretty well. But I mean, the pull side power looks pretty impressive. Uh, he is already pretty adept to getting the ball in the air, not a big rollover guy. And with above average speed, above average to plus power potential, and also and also just the ability to tap into all of that in game power because of the way he lifts. You talk about Anthony Volpe. That's a guy who hits the ball hard, but not nearly as hard as most of the players who put up as many home runs as he does. I think Williams is kind of in that department, lifts really well and and gets a lot of natural carry on the balls he puts in play. Want to see that K rate continue to dwindle, but I think he showed a lot of really positive things. And uh, the Rays are very excited about Carson Williams, I can tell you that. And he had a great first professional season here. It's the 28th overall pick. Maddox Brun's a guy that we didn't hear too much about. Part of the reason is he's in a system that is just absolutely loaded at all times. But also Bruns is 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 a slow, slow burn here. We're not going to see Bruns in the big leagues anytime soon. Very raw left-handed pitching prospect that the Dodgers took here uh, out of Alabama High School. Command is, is far off. I mean, he really needs to work on the command. The stuff is disgusting. But in 41 and a third innings this year in low A, he walked... I mean, he walked 41 batters. He struck out 60, but he walked 41. Uh, the Dodgers are some of the best in terms of development. I think they'll get there. They'll help him get there. Mid-90s fastball, two disgusting breaking balls. 
Bruns could be a really, really nasty starter, but there's definite concern that the command never gets there enough to be a starter, uh, but I think this guy has the floor of a wipeout lefty reliever, and very interested to see how he progresses. Again, the Dodgers take guys who you, know, you think they're lost one year, they end up looking dominant the next year, and one of baseball's best prospects, and I would say, you know, with what Bruns has uh, physically, there's a chance he could end up doing that. Uh, you look at Jay Allen at number 30. I already talked about the red system. Allen, a guy that got promoted uh, to high A maybe a little bit earlier than we thought he would, but showed really good bat-to-ball skills uh, in, in that red system to start because I, I was I was pretty concerned. I don't, I don't know what kind of hitter he's going to be. I like the pick as an athlete, three-sport athlete in high school in Florida. Uh, you know, had D1 offers to play football and basketball, but ultimately signed away from the University of Florida uh, showed some good things. I mean, swiped 31 bags in 73 games in low A. Uh, showed some some ability to hit the ball hard. Patient hitter walked. Strikeouts were kept in check. Got bumped up to high A, and it was a disaster at first, and then settled in as the season went on. And, and over the last handful of games, looked really comfortable. I, I assume he repeats the level next year. But 43 stolen bases this season. Uh, only the three home runs, but did show uh, the potential to have at 15 or more homers. I think there's definitely more power in there. And I mean, the defense and center has looked pretty darn good and he is just a phenomenal athlete with a pretty decent arm. So we'll, we'll go through now that this is the first 30 picks going to just kind of skip over you know, some of the other guys that you know, don't have much to talk about there. Like Joe Mack, for example, Marlon's catching prospect. I think he could be a good player, but missed a lot of the earth injury. Uh, not going to spend as much time on those guys. Cause I want to focus on you know, the players who, I think really are worth discussing uh, on a high level and you know, are worth following and, and have a chance to be a top 100 type of prospect and or either just well inside the top 10 of their respective teams. And uh, that leads me right into Ty Madden at 32, uh, who, I mean, man, Ty Madden has been one of the more impressive pitching prospects this season. Talk about Gavin Williams. Ty Madden has been right there with him with the Detroit Tigers organization. And Madden was somebody that was, was expected to go earlier, and, and he fell a, a bit. There was concern with the quality and the shape of his fastball. Uh, that was what I was hearing around Ty Madden, even though the velocity was was always solid. There was concern about the shape for whatever reason. Um, the fastball's been good for him this year. It really has. I mean, opponents, he, he, he leans on it a good amount, locates it pretty well. Opponents have been respectable against the pitch, but still just a 766 OPS against his fastball. It's not like it's been some disaster offering because he's been pitching between high A and double A, and he's gotten better as the year has gone on, which I think is the most encouraging part. A big reason why we've seen him get better as the year has gone on is the confidence in his plus slider, which may even be closer to 70 grade. I mean, he has just carved up hitters, both lefties and righties, with that slider. Comfortable going, you know, back-legging them with the slider, but also, I mean, against righties, forget it. I mean, you're just not hitting that pitch. Righties, 172 batting average, 487 OPS against his slider. But lefties even, you see a lot of guys hesitant to go left, uh, right on left with the slider, they were even worse against it. Of course, less sample size here, but in 38 plate appearances against his slider, lefties just a 329 OPS hit just 086 because it's so sharp with late bite and works well off of his mid-90s fastball. And again, the fastball is better, I think, than a, a lot of people may have thought. I think Fangraphs had a 45 to 50 grade on it. Um, it's it's a 55 grade pitch. And I get it because Fangraphs had the data. The data didn't look great, but he made some easy tweaks and it looks really good. Uh, the the changeup is, is not 
quite there yet, but it's good enough where he mixes it in. Uh, it has not been a pitch that was hit that much this year. It's more of just a battle against himself, right? A lot of times he's throwing it and it's just not a competitive pitch. Uh, but when he is locating it, it's good enough. It looks enough like his fastball that it is a solid offering. Uh, and he doesn't leave it over the middle. It's more of either spiking it or locating it well. And he keeps it at the bottom part of the zone. So that three-pitch mix has been great for him. And again, the, the change-up feel has gotten better as the season has gone on. And that's been a huge part of his success in the second half of this year. Where, you know, in high A, 3-1-0 ERA in 87 innings was only striking out about 8.7 per nine because the bump up to double and in six starts 203 ERA and he's striking out 11.6 per nine in those 31 innings so strikeouts have ticked up he has continued to pound the zone and I think the change up and the slider quality are a big reason for that in the second half and then just the quality of the fastball in general has helped him you know really look like a better prospect than he was regarded as around the time of the draft. Ty Madden, a big-time name to watch moving forward and should climb through the minors quickly and be a rotation piece potentially at some point next season for the Detroit Tigers who need all the help they can get. Next guy is Aaron Zavala, the Texas Rangers, 38th overall selection. Man, what a pick that was. Zavala out of Oregon, I mean, He was a good college baseball player, but I don't think anybody expected this kind of explosion from Zavala. I mean, he did have a wonderful year as a junior in college and hit his way into a big time consideration uh, as I don't know if he was ever really considered a first round pick, but just being considered a a day one or or just even top five round guy played his way more into a top three round guy, Uh, but only nine home runs similar to Spencer Steer. I think the lack of power output was a bit of a concern at Oregon, Uh, but nine home runs was also more than he had ever hit before because freshman year, 43 games at zero home runs. Sophomore year was shortened only 15 games, but only hit one. And then the nine home runs. So there was a question of you know, how much power is actually in there. We didn't get to see him on the Cape. Barely saw him in any wood bat leagues. So it was just a bit of the unknown. The Rangers were willing to take that chance here and they are reaping the rewards. Zavala has been spectacular in the outfield this season uh, with just one of the more exciting bats in that system. 107 games between high A and double A. 285, 429, 467 slash line, 16 homers, along with 13 stolen bases, 18 doubles. Uh, but what I really am impressed with is the guy doesn't strike out. The power is is more evident every time I watch. It seems like he's continuing to figure out how to tap into more juice, but it doesn't really come at the expense of his impressive bat-to-ball skills. And still younger at just 22 years old for a college guy, Pull side power is comfortably above average. And you know, we've seen him hit balls as far as 443, 447 feet this season. Exit velos are, are not off the charts, but above average as well. Uh, we've seen him pop over 105 on many occasions this year, as high as 110 as well this season. Uh, and the pull side power is comfortably above average. But he uses the whole field well. His swing, his moves are super repeatable. He is a confident hitter with a great feel for the strike zone. You redraft this 2021 draft and he's a first round pick. No doubt about it. 83% zone contact, doesn't chase. Again, 18% chase rate is nothing. Fantastic swing decisions, patient, 90th percentile exit velo above average at 104 miles an hour um, and, and hits the ball in the air, which is important because of the way he, he's able to make a carry, but hits plenty of line drives as well. 
really exciting prospect here and a good one for the Rangers to get in the second round. Another one of my favorite players. I, I'm not going to pretend that I was high on Zavala at the time of the draft. I really was. I don't even know if I even mentioned him in any of the draft recaps. But someone I did mention is Connor Norby. And man, he's got even more power than I thought he would. And he has just been spectacular for the Orioles. They crushed it with their college guys. Norby, another ECU guy. And ECU hitters, I love ECU hitters. Alec Burleson's another example of that. These guys just know how to hit with two strikes, but also seem to just tap into power more and more as they as they get to pro ball. And Norby, second base prospect, 22 years old, has just been fantastic this year. Between what they got from Colton Kowser and now Norby, it's been just so much fun to watch these guys hit. Norby now at the double-A level, such an easy swing. Another player who does find easy poolside carry and also is able to balance that by using the whole field well. 23 homers this year, only striking out 22% of the time, has seemed to get better as the year's gone on. Gets the promotion up to double-A, cuts the strikeout rate even more, ups the walk rate, ups the slugging. 148 WRC plus in 60 double-A games with the 15 home runs, 10 stolen bases on 12 tries. When you're striking out less than 20%, walking more than 10% of the time, plays solid defense at second base. Norby is is maybe one of the safest prospects you're going to find, a well-rounded, just solid player who's going to put way better than average production numbers up at the second base position. And I think just the swing was always too simple and too easily explosive to doubt, and that's why I loved him as a pick there. A few other names real quick, uh, especially in the red system, because whether they drafted these guys or acquired them at the deadline, which they acquired a lot of recently drafted prospects uh, over the last couple months and even dating back to the beginning of the season. But you look at what the Cincinnati Reds have been able to do uh, on the drafting side. Abbott, Andrew Abbott, great pick there. Uh, they got him at 53. He has climbed through the minor leagues really quickly here and, and looks like a solid uh, rotation piece as a lefty who can get tons of strikeouts when he's on and he's commanding his stuff well. But we got to see him you know, continue to develop in the command department, and that's going to be something that's you know interesting to follow. But the swing and miss way above where I think people thought it would be in the quality of stuff, way above where people thought it would be. And then, of course, recently traded for, they were able to go get – Uh, Edwin Arroyo, elite defensive potential, switch hitter, tapping into more power, uh, probably closer to to average power, but another player who lifts with effectiveness, especially from the right side. Love switch hitter, above average power, plus defense at shortstop. Uh, There's a lot to like with someone like Edwin Arroyo, even though he's struggled a bit since the trade. Uh, Back to other teams, though. Jaden Hill at, at 44. Uh, by the Colorado Rockies. I loved this pick. Risky, because he barely threw at all in college at LSU, but was considered a a relevant prospect at a high school, went to LSU as a very raw pitching prospect, who's a big football uh, player as well. But he goes to LSU, gets some 1-1 talk with the way he looked out of the gate, and then goes down with Tommy John surgery, falls, uh, was a candidate to go back to school because he's on the younger side, still 22 years old, but ultimately the Rockies say, we'll take over your rehab and you know we're willing to take a chance on you at 44. Overslot, worth it. Fastball has looked fantastic in the limited looks we got from him as he returned later this season. 95 to 97 on the heater. I think touched upper 90s to, to 98, 99. Uh, change up, that's always been his best pitch. That looked dynamite as well and mixed in a pretty solid slider. Three-pitch mix has a lot of potential. Uh, he looks healthy. He looks good. The command was pretty solid for a you know very raw pitching prospect who was coming off of Tommy John surgery. Watch Jaden Hill 
big time helium as a huge athletic power pitcher with the Rockies. Name to watch without a doubt about it. Kai Bush has been great in the Angels system at, and that was a 45th overall pick. They probably did better on the Kai Bush pick than they did with their first round pick already. Pretty crazy to say that, but I definitely think that it's it's fair to say that. Uh, and maybe potentially the biggest steal of the entire draft. A lot has to happen for him to fully live up to that name, but James Wood, I mean, ends up being an integral piece in the trade to go get Juan Soto uh, and, and was a big sticking point in negotiations in that deal. But the Padres took James Wood. He ends up helping them get Juan Soto. So I know it sucks to trade him, but Wood's going to be a top 20 prospect in baseball in our update. Uh, I mean, he's six foot seven. Some of the best power you're going to see in the minor leagues while also playing a, a good center field. I mean, you're, you're hoping that this guy is Aaron Judge uh, from the left handed side of the batter's box like that's a very tall tall task and, and you know expectation to live up to but it's something that you can dream on there's not very many prospects out there that you can even joke about that with so I mean what a steal James Wood was there they overslotted him out of IMG Academy there was concern about swing and miss concern seems to be kind of unfounded because he hasn't whiffed much uh, at all through his professional career, uh, the the swing and miss ticked up a little bit as he switched over organizations. It's pretty common to see as guys get traded. It's just new environment, uh, new situation, uh, and, and sometimes they just struggle a bit. Just talked about it with Edwin Arroyo. James Wood seemed to be the same thing, but even with that struggle, you look at the course of the entire year, well above average exit velocities. I mean, actually elite. 109 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velo is among some of the best in Major League Baseball. And zone contact to 86%. That's absurd. That's a combination that you just don't see. Uh, so, I mean, look out for James Wood. Still 19 years old. Uh, it's just ridiculous. And the fact that he can move well enough to play center, my goodness. And look at the numbers over the course of the whole year. Insane. <laughs> Let's just go through these. Only 12 home runs because he only played, I believe, 76 games. But it, it, there's there's 40 home run potential here. So that's 313, 425, 36 with a 21% K rate, 14% walk rate. And just look out for this, dude. He's a problem. Uh, a couple more that I wanted to hit on real quick. Padres just crushed this draft. Robert Gasser, another trade piece ultimately. Uh, but they end up moving him for Josh Hader. Who would have thought Josh Hader, one of the best closers in the last 20 years, would be this bad. Uh, but Gasser at the 71st overall pick out of the University of Houston, left-handed pitching prospect. No one thought he'd be this good. Uh, he has been fantastic. He's now already putting up strong starts in AAA for the Milwaukee Brewers. Gasser is going to be a big league starter and a pretty decent one at that. Uh, Kyle Manzardo. I love Kyle Manzardo of the Rays organization. And again, the Rays had a really good draft here too. Manzardo at 63, first base prospect. He was drafted out of Washington State, but Manzardo is a plus-plus hitter. And I think way more power than anybody thought he was going to have. 22 pumps this year in 88 games uh, while hitting for a ridiculously high average and walking at a high clip. Also is a solid defender at first base. Left-handed stroke that is just so smooth, comfortable against lefties, uses the whole field, hits every kind of pitch, crushes fastballs. A 1,069 OPS this year between high A and double A. Just another steal by the Rays and a great find. Um, 90th percentile exit velo, 102.7, so slightly above average. More of just a 50 to 55 grade power to dream on. But when you're a 70 grade hitter, you're going to tap into every ounce of that power. And he's going to hit 20 to 25 home runs, I think, without problem. We just saw that this year. 
going to get on base at an extremely high clip. He's always going to hit for a high average. Manzardo is another one of those Curtis Mead, Jonathan Aranda types in this system uh, that just the, the Rays just seem to find them like none other. And then how about Bubba Chandler? Maybe the last guy I'll mention here. I know there's way more prospects that I, I should have talked about. It's just only have so much time. And Oh, wait, actually, I'm missing one more. I'll talk about Bubba Chandler and then one more guy that is ridiculous to have snagged at 91 overall here. But quick on... Bubba Chandler, he's looked good on the mound. He's looked pretty good at the plate. I think he's looked better on the mound. Uh, but, I mean, we've seen him hit the ball pretty hard as well. Uh, on the bump has been impressive, running it up to the mid to upper 90s. Uh, also has shown some comfort with a solid breaking ball that looks to have the potential to be plus. I've been most impressed by the feel for the changeup, which also has flashed above average to plus. Three-pitch mix that bodes really well for him long-term, and I think could really solidify him as a number three type of starter if it works out with his athleticism on the mound. And then at the plate, he has struggled. He's shown flashes. It's a lot to juggle. I think ultimately they they focus on him as a starter. I think that's ultimately going to be what they do here. I think we've seen more from the 20-year-old, newly turned 20-year-old there, uh, but has shown some flashes at the plate of, of hitting the ball pretty hard and a switch hitter that you know, has potential there, but I think he's got to really focus on that to get to where he wants to be. I think pitching is, is really... Uh, where he has the most upside. Again, now this might be actually the biggest deal of the draft. <laughs> There's a few that I could say it's probably too early to really crown one until we get to see these guys in big league action. But how about Ricky Tiedemann? Uh, what a pick by the Blue Jays out of Golden West College. <laughs> Ricky Tiedemann is arguably the best left-handed pitching prospect in baseball now. And um, I mean, man, is this guy disgusting. What he has done in, in every level this year. He started in low A and he's already up in double A. You, you combine his numbers at the three levels. 78 and two-thirds innings, a 2-1-7 ERA. Southpaw's punched out 117 and 78 and two-thirds innings while only walking 29. I've talked a lot about Tiedemann on here, so won't need to dive too much into it. But, I mean, the fact that he is able to get so many whiffs on his fastball, it is nasty with the, the riding action that it has. I mean, end zone whiff of 32% even though he throws it 56% of the time because he could literally give you the glove gesture, here's the fastball, and guys will still miss under it, and the velo and the life is ridiculous. He's 6'4", gets plenty of extension. Changeup works so well off of it, and the slider is sharp. That three-pitch mix is disgusting, and I think he's overtaking Kyle Harrison uh, as the you know, better left-handed pitching prospect in baseball, and that is not an indictment whatsoever on Kyle Harrison. I'm a huge fan of Ricky Tiedemann. I could probably go all day on this draft class because it's so good, and we'll do more of it in the offseason when we do our redraft and discuss guys. I'm sure I missed some other dudes. I'm sure of it, but I can only hit on so many of these exciting prospects. I hope you enjoyed this draft you know, reflection here. Uh, I'm going to do more of the you know previous draft coverage, especially in this offseason, but uh, I thought we would just highlight these guys through their first professional, full professional season. Uh, so much to like here. Uh, Zach Geloff at 62, by the, or 60 overall, by the way. Another one that looks like a really solid pick. I mean, man, this could ultimately be one of the best draft classes we've seen in some time. As always, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you could leave a, a rating, help grow the show, uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, a review, of course, would be great as well. Share it with your friends. And thank you so much. Look forward to talking prospects again with you tomorrow. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.